Hi, I'm Warren Cood with 3C Ranch in Fort Stockton, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. It's another windy week in the Lone Star State, and we've got another episode of Texas Ag Today ready to roll for you. So jump on in, buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, the Russia-Ukraine war has an indirect effect on the cattle market. I caught up with cattle market watcher Randy Block, CEO of Cattle Facts, at last weekend's Texas and Southwestern Cattle Raisers Association convention in Fort Worth. We'll get his take on the war's effect on the cattle market coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. The cotton season is approaching in the Texas High Plains, but farmers are being advised to wait for the right soil temperatures. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Attendees at the Texas and Southwestern Cattle Raisers Convention recently heard some encouraging numbers on U.S. beef exports. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have those details on Texas Ag Today. This is Jim Hearn in the Rio Grande Valley. Extreme South Texas is finishing planting. Citrus is blooming, and range fires are very active. We'll have those stories and more in today's report. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The cattle market has suffered as a result of Russia's invasion of Ukraine just over a month ago. Randy Block, CEO of Cattle Facts, spoke over the weekend at the Texas and Southwestern Cattle Raisers Association's annual meeting in Fort Worth. He told us the Russia-Ukraine war has had the biggest effect on the grain markets, which indirectly moves the cattle market. Kerry, you said it very well. I mean, it's been an indirect impact that we've seen out of the Russian invasion into Ukraine. And Ukraine normally puts about a billion bushels of corn onto the global market. And that became very uncertain on whether they were actually going to be able to do that. It's still very uncertain today. But the markets have priced in that they don't believe that we're going to get the lion's share of that corn onto the global market, get it planted and harvested this year. Uh, hopefully we'll see some resolution in the conflict and uh, we'll see the Ukrainian farmers be able to get that crop into ground and get it harvested yet this year. But that is the big question right now. Will farmers in the Ukraine be able to get a crop in the ground this year? Well, we just don't know. You know, I think when you look at where the invasion basically is, where there's a lot of the country where the grain is produced that is not impacted by it yet today, but you just can't predict how things are going to really unfold. Block says for now, the markets are pricing in the worst-case scenario. 
Texas wildfires continue to burn this week, but thankfully some of those fires that started last week are now under control. Scott Williamson heads up the TSCRA Special Rangers. He worked the Eastland Complex and Hood County fires last week, and he says it was a very different situation than he faced back in the 2017 fires. It it was a hard series to work. While we've worked many of the, the, the complexes in the past across the panhandle a million acres, while you had a much more um, rural setting, much more grass, the the, uh, the complex there had lots of residences, uh, lots of loss of property, uh, structures, livestock, and unfortunately, um, Dr. Uh, Deputy Finley's life. Um, we were in that search that morning as well, so it it, it was emotionally a much uh, more difficult emergency management uh, scenario to work. The Eastland Complex fire burned more than 54,000 acres. The Crittenberg Complex fire near Fort Hood has burned more than 33,000 acres. The cotton season is approaching on the Texas High Plains, but James Hunt tells us farmers are being advised to wait for the right soil temperatures before planting. Yesterday we heard Mark Brown of Plains Cotton Growers talking about farmers waiting for rain. In that situation, farmers have no other option except to be patient. But on another weather-related note, Brown says farmers need to choose patience when it comes to soil temperatures. He says it's best to delay planting until soil temperatures warm up. 60 degrees is important for cotton because that is basically the minimum temperature that we need for development of that seed. And as that seed begins to imbibe moisture, then there are a lot of chemical reactions that are taking place within the seed. And if we get into temperatures of 55 degrees or below during that time that it is imbibing water during that germination process, we can cause chilling injury that we never will recover from for the entirety of the season. And a lot of times what we see are roots that may be swollen or corkscrewed. Uh, we may see difficulty with uh, germination or with uh, seed orientation as far as that seed emerging properly from the ground. So it can really cause a lot of issues, and we just don't want to push it and get into a situation where we are in the middle of the germination process, and then we get into a temperature situation in that seed zone below 55 degrees, because it just needs a few hours of that, and you can cause irreparable damage. Brown says the West Texas Mesonet is a good resource for monitoring soil temperatures. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Beef exports are setting records, and that was a big topic at last weekend's TSCRA convention in Fort Worth. Tom Nicoletti has the story. Joining me from Fort Worth is John Henners. He is uh, with the U.S. Meat Export Federation. He is Senior Vice President of Industry Relations. And John, you made a presentation to the Cattle Raisers Convention. What was your uh, main message? Tom, when we talk about exports, you know, we talk about the value it brings to the cattle industry. So my main message talk to the cattlemen today about the value of the beef exports and how the Texas cattle producers have played an integral role in development and funding of the U.S. Meat Export Federation since its beginning in 1976. 
Now, at the recent convention, you also highlighted the fact that uh, in 2021, $1 billion worth of variety meats were sold, and that is uh, certainly good for uh, cattle producers. It certainly is, Tom. When you look at this past year, uh, U.S. beef plus beef variety meat exports set a record at $10.5 billion. That's up 38%. Of that $10.5 billion in sales, over a billion of that came from variety meats, items that we typically may struggle to sell here in the United States. We send a tremendous amount of our U.S. beef livers to the country of Egypt. We're able to pick up a premium on that product. Beef tongues uh, will go to Japan. Tripe and intestine primarily end up in Mexico. But those are the key markets for those items. That doesn't mean that those items can't go to other markets as well. So when you look at beef export value per head, over $407 on a fed steer this past year could be attributed to U.S. beef exports. That's tremendous when you look at that. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Extreme South Texas is wrapping up spring planting while the risk of wildfires continues. Jim Hearn has an update from the Rio Grande Valley. All of South Texas is seeing restrictions from water to burning. Many cities are banning water usage to watering with a hose, no sprinklers. Burn bans are also being imposed. South Texas has seen a rash of wildfires that have scorched several thousand acres. The biggest fire consumed about 1,500 acres, and that uh, has also burned down some farm buildings and homes and is being fought by just about every volunteer fire department in the area. The latest fronts have all been coming through dry, with humidities dropping well into the teens and winds gusting to 40 to 50 miles per hour. We could certainly use a good general rain to lessen the impact of these range fires. Daytime temperatures have finally reached a point where the planting is all but finished for cotton. Also, temperatures have finally given citrus enough warmth to start its bloom cycle. This year's bloom will have lemons, limes, oranges, and grapefruit all blooming at the same time, and it should be a spectacular sight. The harvest of lynch oranges and some grapefruit do continue. Many of the grapefruit will be heading to the juice plant. Growers have been busy applying their fertilizer to get trees off to a good start with a bloom 30 to 40 days late uh, or later than normal. The 2020 harvest may not begin until early to mid-October. The sugarcane harvest is moving along. Uh, The dry weather has certainly helped the harvesters move quickly through the fields. Sugarcane is burned before it's harvested, so you may wonder if it's done safely. The burns are highly controlled, so they don't get out of hand. Watermelons and also the onion crops, they're looking great. Watermelon windbreaks are certainly keeping the young plants from being blown right out of the ground. This is Jim Hearn in the Rio Grande Valley. Texas oyster harvesters, anglers, and coastal residents traveled from the coast to Austin last week to speak out on a proposal that would impact oyster harvest in several Texas bays. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. And chronic recurring ear disease in dogs is very frustrating. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
As planting season begins across the country, the American Seed Trade Association reminds farmers to follow the basic steps for seed treatment stewardship. Follow directions on seed container labeling. Eliminate weeds in the field prior to planting. Minimize dust by using advanced seed flow lubricants. Be aware of honeybees and hives located near the field. Ensure that any spilled seeds are removed or covered by soil to protect wildlife and the environment. And remove all treated seed left in equipment. For more information, visit seed-treatment-guide.com or contact your seed dealer. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Chronic and recurring ear disease in dogs is one of the most frustrating diseases for veterinarians and owners alike. Dr. Bob Judd says allergies are the main culprit. We commonly see dogs presented to our clinic that have had ear infections for years that improve with treatment but recur. There are multiple causes of ear infections, but in my experience, at least in Central Texas, allergy is the underlying cause in 90% of the cases. For this reason, treating the ear with drops or ointment only will not be effective in preventing recurrence of the infection. Many of these cases need anti-inflammatory and allergy medication to remove inflammation and itching to resolve the infection. And many dogs will require continued use of allergy medication to prevent recurrence of the disease. If you wait to treat the ear when the infection recurs, you've waited too long. There is allergy medication that in many cases can prevent recurrence of ear infections if allergy is the underlying cause. Food allergy can also lead to ear infections, so a food trial with a veterinary-specific food only will be required to make this diagnosis. Hypothyroidism, or decreased thyroid function in dogs, can also lead to ear infections, so treatment of this condition can prevent further infections. If your dog has a chronic ear infection, many times the infection is resistant to the drops being used. So your vet may need to culture the infection to make sure the correct antibiotic is being used. It has also been shown that up to 90% of dogs with chronic ear infections also have a ruptured eardrum due to the infection, which allows the infection to enter the middle ear. Middle ear infections cannot be cleared by simply instilling medication in the ear as oral antibiotics are required, and also flushing the middle ear may be necessary. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A recent hearing in Austin focused on the Texas oyster industry. Jessica Domel tells more about it in today's Wildlife Report. After more than three hours of testimony and hundreds of public comments, the Texas Parks and Wildlife Commission has delayed action on a proposal that would further prohibit oyster farming in three bays off the Texas coast. The proposed amendment would have prohibited the harvest of oysters in Carlos, Mesquite, and Aries Bays near the Aransas National Wildlife Refuge. Robin Rikers, Director of Coastal Fisheries for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, discussed the important role that reef systems and oysters play. That that area contains ecologically an important sensitive reef habitat. It's a nursery area for fish and invertebrates. It's near the Cedar Bayou Fish Pass, which is an important ingress and egress for organisms. Obviously, those oyster beds also provide shoreline protection and other ecosystem benefits, including water filtration, and we've talked about those in the past. And then lastly, we also have noted that we've had this increased harvest pressure as seen in that area. Oyster harvest in all three of the bays closed just a few months ago when a set 
threshold for oysters was met, with harvest nearing record levels, according to TPWD. TPWD then held three public meetings and opened public comment on the proposal to close oyster harvest in the three bays for an extended period of time to allow the area to recover. More than 2,700 people submitted comments to TPWD. 79% are in support, 20% are opposed. Oyster farmers and their families spoke out at the hearing, asking the commission to consider the economic impact closing those bays to oyster harvesting could have. They asked the commission to consider that other factors like drought and hurricanes could also impact oyster numbers. The commission took no action and is considering the issue further. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The cattle market and the grain markets continue to move in opposite directions, with grains closing higher on Wednesday while cattle dropped. We'll take a closer look at all livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Break out your camera and snap a pic for the Texas Farm Bureau Photo Contest. You or someone you know can share your best photo with the entire Lone Star State and maybe win some cash, like $250 for first place, $200 for second place, and $100 for honorable mention. The contest is open to Texas Farm Bureau members or an immediate family member. Rural settings and lifestyles are the preferred themes for all submissions and contestants are limited to one entry per person. Top four winners will be selected and published in the July edition of Texas Agriculture and the summer edition of Texas Neighbors. Snap your pick now for the Texas Farm Bureau Photo Contest. The entry deadline is June 1st. Visit TexasFarmBureau.org for complete contest rules. That's TexasFarmBureau.org. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The whipsaw action in the grain markets continues this week as we get mixed signals out of the Russia-Ukraine war. On Tuesday, we had news that Russia may be open to some type of ceasefire talks. That caused the grain markets to take a big drop. However, on Wednesday... We didn't see anything happening on that front. In fact, it looked like it was all talk. So the grain markets tried to make up some of that ground and take back some of those losses. That jump in the grain market Wednesday caused cattle prices to fall once again. We were mostly lower on live cattle, had one or two contracts that finished slightly higher, but for the most part, we were lower. April live cattle down 72 at 147.17, the June down 47 at 138 even, while August live cattle were up two cents, 138.55. Feeder cattle lower across the board. March feeders down 72 at 155.97. April feeder cattle down 67, 163.67, while May was down 50 cents at 168.90. Cash fed cattle market seeing some fairly light trade on Wednesday. Fully steady on the money at 138. However, many feed lots standing firm on their asking prices this week of 140 to 142. We had the online Fed Cattle Exchange sell on Wednesday. They had 2,526 head listed. However, none of those cattle sold. Boxed beef was higher Wednesday choice up 280 at 267.30. Select up 209, 256.93. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. 
When you hear Auctioneer Troy, it's time to talk to Riley Rhodes about his Monday sale in Three Rivers. Riley, I understand it was a good one. Let's talk price and quality. Ended up with 1,638 head today. Uh, did have some pretty good stocker cows. Our pairs brought from 825 to 1375. Uh, some red cows from eight and a quarter up to 1275. High yield and packer cows 84 to 94. Breakers 78 to 86. Canners 38 to 62. High yield and packer bulls 110 to 116. Low to medium yielding bulls 92 up to dollar 10. Two to three weight choice steers 178 to 196. Heifer mates 144 to 166. Three to four weight choice steers 168 to 192. Heifer mates 146 to 162. Uh, four to five weight choice steers 164 to 188 heifer mates 138 to 158 five to six weight choice steers 164 to 182 heifer mates 136 to 148 six to seven weight choice steers 140 to 160 heifer mates 124 to 138 the seven to eight weight choice steers 128 to 144 and the heifer mates 118 to 132 so uh thought we got along good today you know starting to see more cows each week probably had uh, close to 500 cows today out of the 1600 it's a lot of lightweight calves just uh you know you can tell people starting to call a little bit and getting a little worried about the weather Right. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you for next week's sale. Excuse me. Uh, the cell phone three six one eight one three six six five zero. The office three six one seven eight six two five five three. Webpage liveoaklife.com. Neighbor, I'm Larry Marble in Deep South Texas, reporting for Texas Ag Today. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs finished lower Wednesday. The April contract down a dollar fifty two at one hundred four fifty two. May hogs down a dollar seventy seven, one seventeen even. Class three milk was higher. April milk up twenty cents, twenty three forty nine a hundred weight. May milk up thirty eight at twenty three eighty eight a hundred. The cotton market getting another big boost on Wednesday. Technical buying helping to boost prices as well as some mill fixation buying. That pushed the old crop contract back up to that $1.40 level. May cotton up 303 points, closing at 139.84. The October up 165 points at 118.64. December cotton up 140, closing at 112.44. We mentioned earlier, no progress on the Russia-Ukraine possible peace situation, so the grain markets headed back higher on Wednesday as a result of that. May corn up 11 and 3 quarters, 7.38 a bushel. New crop September up 6 and 3 quarters, 6.73 and a half. Double-digit gains in the wheat market also. July Kansas City wheat up 20 and a half, 10.44 and 3 quarters, July Chicago wheat up 13 and three quarters at 10.23 a bushel. In the energy markets, May natural gas was up 23 cents, 5.56. May crude oil up 3.28 at 107.52 a barrel. The financial markets were lower on Wednesday afternoon. The Dow down 167 points at 35,126. The Nasdaq down 190, 14,429. The S&P down 40 at 4591 That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production 
of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.